0: I'm Vincent Richter with Richter Farm and Ranch in Thrall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories.
1: To implant or not to implant, that can be a big question for cattle producers as they evaluate their marketing options. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
2: Members of the House Committee on Agriculture are questioning the inequality of the Emergency Relief Program of 2022. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas AG today.
3: The success of the Beef Checkoff Program continues across the country in its promotion, education, and research efforts for cattle producers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the chair of the Cattlemen's Beef Board on
0: Texas AG today. Now, Here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump
4: on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Last summer's drought hit deep southeast Texas hard along with all of south Louisiana and that has caused a crawfish shortage. Aaron Permenter grows crawfish in Hampshire, Texas, near Beaumont. He says he's having a slow start to the early crawfish harvest season.
5: Yes, as of right now, it's slow, but it's starting to pick up. But it's February. It's still early. So hopefully by March and when the water starts getting a little warmer, days start getting a little bit longer, it'll go ahead and start picking up.
4: That shortage is pushing crawfish prices to
5: record highs. Prices, I think, at the all-time high. We've never seen prices as high. I think it'll even out once we get more crawfish on the market and they have trouble start moving them, the prices will start going down.
4: Crawfish are currently in the $11 to $12 a pound range. Normally, prices are around $3 a pound. Cotton and soybean growers across the country will be able to use existing supplies of over-the-top dicamba formulations this growing season.
2: Earlier this month, a U.S. district judge in Arizona vacated the registrations of Bayer's Extendamax, BASF's Ingenia, and Syngenta's Tavium, citing the Environmental Protection Agency's alleged failure to provide proper public notice or invite public comment when approving the Decamba products for use in 2020. The ruling left farmers in the lurch, wondering if they could use the Decamba products they already had on hand. An answer to that question came from the EPA Wednesday. The agency authorized the sale and distribution of Dicamba products that were already in the possession of growers or in the channels of trade and outside the control of pesticide companies before the February 6th ruling. Bayer, BASF, and Syngenta are still prohibited from selling and distributing the products per the court ruling. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
4: The Texas panhandle is seeing excellent rain and snowfall this winter. Wes Beal with Equity Exchange in Spearman says you have to go back nearly two decades to find winter moisture as good as this. And that's great news for the winter wheat crop. But there is a benefit for summer crops as well.
6: The only advantage is we don't see any pivots running right now. We don't see many having to pre-water anything because we already have decent moisture in place. So if we haven't had to pre-water, we haven't had to utilize some of the allocation we've had on water, which provides more allocation for the summertime. And still, moisture today helps in the summertime and helps for a final yield in the fall. So I think we're in probably some of the best shape I've seen top five years, top three years that I've seen in the last 20 years that I've been
4: here. Wes Beal with Equity Exchange, in Spearman. To implant or not to implant. James Hunt says that can be a big question for Texas cattle producers.
1: When ranchers contemplate how they want to market their cattle, one consideration is participation in a value-added program. Some of the best-known options are the all-natural or non-hormone-treated cattle programs, in which the buyer wants cattle that were raised without the use of certain growth-promoting technologies. But while such programs do offer premiums to producers, Jason Smith of AgriLife says they may not always be the best way to add value to the animals you're going to market.
6: The thing I want to really encourage producers to consider is the net added value of those when compared to the opportunity cost of not doing something that they prohibit so an example would be what's the difference between the net added value of enrolling in an nhtc or all natural type program versus just having used the implant and in many situations the implant winds up being the economically advantageous strategy to the producer
1: because you can market them to someone who's not insisting on those things
6: there really aren't any constraints on how those animals are marketed and the animal's more valuable because it's heavier and in many situations that outweighs the net added value or premium associated with that branded program that doesn't mean there aren't times when it might make sense to pursue or market cattle through those programs want to encourage producers to sharpen their pencil and make sure that they're making the most economically advantageous decision
1: that's texas a M AgriLife beef cattle specialist jason smith i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network
4: members of the house agriculture committee are questioning the inequality of the latest disaster aid program Jessica Domel has the story.
2: House Ag Committee Chairman G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania and Congressman Frank Lucas of Oklahoma questioned U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack Wednesday on inequality in the Emergency Relief Program of 2022. Here's Chairman Thompson.
7: Unfortunately, you've taken upon yourself to utilize USDA to transform. American agriculture through the unfettered use of the CCC or rewriting the rules on disaster aid programs to reorient assistance to small and part-time farmers at the expense of the full-time family farms.
2: Secretary Vilsack told the committee.
1: When we advised Congress that there was a 10 to $12 billion bill due to assist producers across the board for disasters in 2022, Congress appropriated $3 billion. You gave us 30% of what we needed. So we had a, a choice. Of basically doing it the way we did before when we had all the money and the resources to be able to cover all of the producers, or provide an opportunity for 80% of the producers to receive slightly more.
2: According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, the progressive factoring used in the Emergency Relief Program of 2022 created winners and losers in ad hoc disaster assistance. The program, according to AFBF, used a different payment formula for underserved and non-underserved farmers and ranchers, allowing higher payments for beginning, female, and minority farmers and ranchers. Vilsack said if he had to do it all over again, he would do it the same because it was helpful to smaller producers.
1: Why? Because they didn't receive the lion's share of the $19 billion of identification that was paid through crop insurance and other, other mechanisms.
2: We'll have more on this with Secretary Vilsack and Congressman Frank Lucas on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
4: The Beef Checkoff continues to boost beef sales and consumption.
3: Tom Nicoletti has more. Funding for the National Beef Checkoff has been a catalyst for change in the U.S. beef industry since its beginnings in the 1980s. The Checkoff assesses $1 per head on the sale of live domestic and imported cattle. The Beef Checkoff program increases profit opportunities for producers by keeping beef top of mind with consumers, restaurants, butchers, and other food retailers. The Cattlemen's Beef Board and the U.S. Department of Agriculture oversee the collection and spending of the funds. Jimmy Taylor is chair of the Cattlemen's Beef Board and an Oklahoma cattle rancher.
5: One way that I look at the, the beef checkoff, I'm a producer, I pay about $400 a year in checkoff money. If I were to try to do something myself, to promote beef to do research or education i could do very little couldn't do anything as far as research education wise it would just be me talking that four hundred dollars would i could do a little promotion but not much but if all producers pull those dollars that go into the checkoff we can do great things as far as creating beef demand we can we can promote put a lot of dollars toward that we can educate a lot of people and we can do research projects that will help move our industry forward.
3: Those comments from Jimmy Taylor of Cheyenne, Oklahoma. He serves as chair of the Cattlemen's Beef Board. As part of the ongoing planning and evaluation effort at the CBB, all programs are evaluated to see that they are accomplishing their stated objectives as well as achieving the outcomes and goals of the beef industry's long-range plan. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
7: This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. A very warm February weather pattern has put planters in the field and harvesting, well, it's hitting a high gear.
4: And neurological disease can cause lameness in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up.
0: These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today.
2: National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th.
0: bringing you the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
4: A warm February has corn planters rolling in deep south Texas. Jim Hearn has this update from the Rio Grande Valley.
7: A very warm February weather pattern has planters rolling all across the valley. Row crop planting of corn, milo, and cotton is progressing progressing rapidly along with the 80-degree daytime highs that we've been experiencing. The only drawback, though, is the winds. We've had winds that have been gusting over 40 miles per hour. Gale force winds have been reported along the coastal areas, and it's drying out the crops and rangeland rapidly. Since our last report... We've had three homes out in Stark County that have burned to the ground due to range fires, and all of the rangeland is getting very, very dry. It's very tender. The citrus and sugarcane harvest is also progressing rapidly. The clear, dry weather is making harvest move along rapidly, and the recent inflows that we've seen into Falcon Reservoir have risen the elevation levels now to 18% full in Falcon. That's the highest elevation we've seen in over a year. stock elevation at 25 percent full and that has showed a steady increase and it should continue to improve. With the planting ongoing we need to get some good moisture though to help this dry land crops out. We want to get plants off to a good start and more importantly to keep them growing rapidly. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley.
4: Neurological disease can cause lameness in horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on the symptoms it
8: may cause. Neurological deficits can be confused with lameness and pain. In most cases, Dr. Amy Johnson from the University of Pennsylvania indicates at the AAEP convention that neurological disease does not cause pain like musculoskeletal disease, except for disease in the neck, which can cause pain. Both neurological disease and musculoskeletal disease can have short and choppy gaits, but if the neurological disease is in the neck, the gait is long and floating. With orthopedic disease, the gait is regularly irregular, meaning the gait is irregular but the same every step. With neurological disease, the gait is called irregularly irregular, which means the horse has no control over the foot placement, so the feet do not land in the same area relative to the horse's body every time. Also, horses with neurological disease tend to drift toward the lame leg due to lameness, while horses with musculoskeletal disease tend to drift away from the lame leg to try and get away from the pain. Neurological disease can be seen when horses are turned sharply and tightly circled as their limbs will interfere and cross over. Horses with neurological problems in the neck can have deficits of the front and rear limbs, but not always. There is also a neurodegenerative disease of the nerves that can occur in the brain or spinal cord that can cause horses to develop behavioral changes and wobbling when walking. The most common infectious disease causing neurological signs and lameness in horses is equine protozoal myeloencephalitis, or EPM. So if your horse is not moving well, neurological disease could be involved. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll
0: check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today.
3: National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th.
0: Here's the latest market information on Texas Ag Today.
4: Let's take a look back at how all of the agricultural markets wrapped up on Friday. One quick note, we will not have any market trade on Monday for the President's Day holiday. We wrapped up trading on Friday, heading into the long weekend with live and feeder cattle, both higher the nearby February live cattle contract, low volume, getting ready to go off the board. In a couple of weeks, it was up $1. $1.37, dollars eighty-four, seventy-seven. The April up $1. $1.95, $187.55, with June live cattle up 95 cents, 182 82 Big gains on feeder cattle Friday, March was up $3.92 at 2 dollars April up $332, 2 dollars With the May contract up to 72 at 255.62, cash-fed cattle trade wrapping up the week, selling cattle here in the Southern Plains at 180. That's two bucks lower compared to the previous week. Up north, same price on live sales, 180 dressed cattle in the north, 287. That's one to two bucks lower compared to the previous week. Box B prices higher. Friday choice up 76 cents at 296.06. Select was up 20 at 288.19. Now let's check those auction barns. We're
7: walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, sells cattle in San Angelo on Thursdays. Jody, how did this last sale go?
5: 750 head was the total today. Compared to the last week's sale, these kids in yearlings fully steady. It could have been $3 or more higher on some of those choice lightweight calves. Slaughter cows and bulls, firm to $3 higher. Replacement type cows and pears today, steady to higher. Better quality steers, 4,600 pounds from 240, all the way up to a high of near 365, mostly from 260 to 290. 6 to 800 pound steers, 210 to a high of near 270, mostly 225 to 250. Effort calves, 4 to 600 pounds, 210 to 315, mostly 235 to 275. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 82 to 102. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 104 all the way up to a high of 118. Ten are very low yielding cows, just a few of those from 65 to 80. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding, 95 to 115. A few of those high Price jeweling slaughter bulls, 116 all the way up to a high of 138. Bread cows and two year olds, uh, young to solid mouth breads, medium to heavy bread, anywhere from 1250 to a high of 2275. Cow kiff pairs, just a few small groups of those. Uh, baby tooth to solid mouth cows, but thinner flesh cows, anywhere 1000 to $1,800 a pair.
7: What do you think about sales for next week, Jody?
5: Uh, cooler uh, here, maybe Friday and Saturday morning, but calls right. uh, for a really nice forecast on Monday and Tuesday. So I'm saying at least five thousand sheep and goats on Tuesday. Probably similar cattle numbers next week, seven to eight hundred head.
7: Tell everybody how to get a hold of you
5: three two five six five three 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 seven one. That's the office number. My mobile's two three four seven eight nine five.
7: Of course, that's Jody Fry. Producers and cargyle. they sell sheep and goats on Tuesday, cattle on Thursday. I'm Larry Marble. I do walk in the pins every Monday through Friday. See you again tomorrow. Good day. Back over to the
4: futures market. We're lean hogs finish mixed Friday. The April contract up 22 cents, 85.22. May was unchanged, 88.85. Class 3 milk mixed. February milk down a penny, 16.17 100 weight. With March milk up 7, 16.87 100. Cotton closed lower on Friday. Profit taking coming into the market, pushing prices down. Of course, we've had a great week in the cotton market, especially on those old crop contracts. So traders closing out positions, taking profits, heading into the three-day weekend. March cotton down 76 points, 93.87. May down 89 at 94.42. December new crop cotton down 76, 84.08. Corn finished lower again on Friday, closing at a new contract low for the sixth time in eight trading days. USDA Outlook Conference releasing another estimate on the corn crop last week. It showed the corn ending stocks rising by 360 million bushels, up to a total of $2.5 billion. A record large yield of 180 bushels per acre in this past crop was what helped to push us to an all-time record crop above 15 billion bushels. So all of that corn continues to weigh on the market. March corn down one and a quarter, 4.16 and a half. May corn down a half, 4.29 and a half. September finished one and a half higher at 4.47 a bushel. Wheat hitting new contract lows as well on Friday. Just a glut of wheat on the market. Russia, Ukraine, and the EU all dealing with big wheat stocks and they're chopping prices, undercutting everyone else on the world market. March Kansas City wheat down eight and a half, five sixty seven and a quarter, new crop July down eight and a quarter, five fifty five and a quarter. Soft wheat in Chicago finishing lower as well. March down six and a half, five sixty and a half, New crop July, Chicago wheat down eight and a quarter. 561 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 2 cents at a dollar 60, March West Texas crude up a dollar fourteen seventy-nine seventeen a barrel. The financial markets were lower Friday afternoon, the Dow down 145 points 38627, the Nasdaq down 130 points 15775, the S&P down 24 at 5005. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in its greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
0: Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.